Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Group Answers Podcast, a weekly show designed to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources, as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Group Answers Podcast. I am Brian Daniel with Chris Rett, and it feels like it's been a long time, Chris, but I don't think it has. Correct me. Tell me I'm wrong. No, we, we missed a couple of weeks. Uh, with, Again? With ske- ske- okay. Just with scheduling stuff. You know, it's summer. I advise most small groups to take some time off during the summer because it's just irregular schedules. People are on vacation. I just got back from a, a family reunion in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, your daughter's climbing some mountain somewhere. So everybody's doing something crazy right now, so it's okay. Give yourself some <laughs> slack there, BD. Well... You know, we're, we've got three baseball fans here today. We'll introduce our guests. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about baseball leading up to the trade deadline. And I'm going to absolutely fail miserably here at the onset of that. But we have a St. Louis Cardinal fan. And I wanted to just get your quick take on whether Juan Soto will be a St. Louis Cardinal after August 2nd or not. Mm, that's that. That's a tough Five one. Seconds. I, I'm going to say yes. Yes, he will be a cardinal. That'll be something. Yeah, it's going to happen. So we welcome to the show today, um, back by popular demand. Uh, demand, demand, demand. Well, you combine. You know, normally, Tim's, I'm Tim. normally I'm spotless here. I am normally I do not make a single mistake. Not no. You just combine just, Tim with the man to man, which he <laughs> is Tim Man. Rob Tim's PhD, Doctor Rob Tim's. Maybe he's not a PhD, but he is a doctor. Welcome back to the show, <laughs> Rob Tim's. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Doctor. How are you, Doctor? I have this rash. I was wondering if you could. Uh, <laughs> it's not that kind of doctor. Listen, not that kind of yes, doctor. Okay. Uh, oh, you've got to be a family member, and even more specifically, a child. We help you with that. <laughs> yeah, and we need to we need to bag that theme anyway for the sake of this. So Rob is one of our publishing leaders at uh, Lifeway Christian Resources, and Rob has been in publishing one way or another for how long? Rob, it's been more than ten years, right? It's right at ten years. Right, right at, at ten, 10 years. years. Also, um, bivocational pastor, also former youth minister, also former senior, senior pastor before you, before you came to Lifeway Christian Resources, correct? All the things. That's right. So you're semi, running the gamut today. So welcome back. Semi professional, uh, tennis player, correct? Uh, there were days, uh, however, that would not qualify anymore yeah. for, for anything quite like that. I've In fact, it. I got an email request today from the league asking me to join in. And I said, no, because of the cyst in my wrist. So I will not be playing tennis uh, this semester. So for those of you playing group answers, bingo at home, you can now cross (laughs) off on their sports card tennis. That is tennis T E N N I S. 
think that's the first time that we have referenced tennis on the show. So uh, I don't know. You'll have to you have to tweet at Chris Surratt if you have a winning card. That that'll you'll you'll never top if you're playing what was it philosopher bingo uh, if you had Kierkegaard in the center square. Yeah. The problem with that one was I think it was at you know right at the forty minute mark with Dan. I don't think anybody yeah. made it that far. <laughs> Dan Darling, that's true. Yeah. All right, Rob. So, Rob, you most uh, you work most closely these days with uh, the ongoing curriculum lines that are. Um, Released on a quarterly basis, we have three that you work most closely with and maybe even exclusively with, and that's Bible Studies for Life and Explore the Bible and the Gospel Project, right? I mean, it's, you don't, you don't get into master life. You, I, you are working on the yet to be named new line that we, that's, that's, uh, that's being developed, but, uh, right now that's, that's right. really not in play, right? Yes. I, I'm largely focused on Explore the Bible. Um, focused on Gospel Project, Bible Studies for Life, and then uh, any existing work and or new lines that are coming our way. That's that's where my focus is across that whole that whole group. So historically, we've talked in terms of starting points when we have referred to explore the Bible, Bible Studies for Life, and the Gospel Project. And I really like that terminology. The Gospel Project begins with theology. Explore the Bible begins with the biblical text. Bible Studies for Life begins with life application. Now, that does not mean that Bible Studies for Life, for instance, is void of theology or is void of biblical text. It just means that its beginning point, its point of disembarkation, if you will, also on your bingo card, you could click that off, uh, <laughs> is the starting point. I have really – I I we don't use that terminology as much as we once did. I really like it. But I want to ask you – what, in your opinion, the merit of this system, maybe, of ongoing curriculum lines and how you feel about um, how you feel about the just thinking of it in terms of starting points? Yeah, I, I think the the important thing to realize when it when it comes to using that starting point language is that you're not only talking about an approach to, to studying the Bible. Um that's the that's the first thing starting point does is what's the approach I'm going to have to study the Bible, but it's also inherently you are embracing a strategy of discipleship for your people that come to your congregation, um, and that study of discipleship that strategy might be we're in a place we're in a culture we're at a time where where we serve in our in our congregation in our community we're in a place where bringing the Bible specifically to bear on topics that people are dealing with on a regular basis. That needs to be our approach. And we're going to do that. Um, uh, and Bible studies for life would be the best tool for that. We're in a place, we're in a culture where any part of the Bible works at any part of the time. All the Bible is always true all the time. And we could jump in anywhere. And if we, as long as we were prepared to do that, then we're winning in discipleship and that would be explore the Bible. And then on down the road, we go to TGP. So with the gospel project. So, um, I, I think I would just say it's not nearly merely a starting point. It is also a comprehensive strategy that you're embracing and the resources that you're using. Assume that and bring that to bear uh, on your on your ministry. So one of the things that we preach when it comes to curriculum is if you can have alignment with your adults, your kids, your students, 
um, which these curriculum lines really help out with because there's a obviously a kid's version of Gospel Project. There's a student version of Gospel Project, and there are sermon outlines actually to go along with um, with 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 the, with the curriculum. So, in your your mind, why is it important? Why why should churches think? Because it, it obviously is not the way that most churches do it, but why should they do it? Um, I'll keep it really simple. I think there's one really, really compelling reason. Um, not necessarily that it has to be this way all the time, but there is one compelling reason for for having resources that do this with you. And it's that it is the responsibility of every generation, every older generation, to teach the next generation the word that it is the Shema of Deuteronomy six. It is, it is the responsibility of the older generation to teach the next generation. And one very powerful and effective way for doing that is by having the older and the younger generation studying the same thing in the scriptures on Sunday morning. Um, even if, and even if it's not the exact same text for the exact same topic, you are equipping the older generation to be in community with and in a conversation with, the younger generation around the exact same thing. And I, so I, I think alignment is very powerful to helping achieve that command in scripture, Deuteronomy 6. Have we seen any changes in that, um, not mentality, but in how that's valued over the last three to five years? I know this is something that we have espoused and supported and advocated for, um, I guess a little more than a decade now. I mean, with our curriculum offerings, I don't think they were aligned in the same way until we, until 10, 12 years ago. Have you seen, either of you seen changes in that respect recently? Or Chris, like a, where you guys are, is that something you talk about? Do you try, I mean, is it important for that alignment? Yeah, I, I think for, you know, I've always, even before, you know, LifeWay and, and before I kind of knew the inside of all of this, I preached campaigns and campaigns are a short season to align your entire church around a topic and it gets a lot of people into groups because if you can promote that topic, get your pastor to talk about it, then people want to be in groups to talk about it. In fact, we're about to do our first uh, kind of campaign at, at Harvest. I'm very excited about doing that in the fall. And so, yes, I think in churches that especially do small groups in homes or off campus, not so much Sunday school, you're probably not going to get a lot of year round alignment. Um, you can, but it's probably not as, as uh, easy as it would be in a Sunday school system. But for small groups, those short seasons, those six weeks of all in together. And what I see a lot of times is it's mostly just um, adults and sometimes kids, not always students. So if you can make that student piece work, I think it's even more powerful. So when campaigns typically are the fall, right? I mean, if you're going to do one campaign, it's going to be in the fall. If you do a second campaign, is it, it's going to be January, right? Uh, February. Or winter. Um, Yeah. Winter, February, because people are kind of still coming back in January. Uh, January gives you a month to get new leaders, get things going, get some kind of a training, and then you can launch it in February. So that's what we're doing. We're doing one on relationships. And actually, September is when we're launching it. We're using August to do training, and then we'll launch it in September. And then we'll launch one in February on James. 
So in those situa- in those scenarios, you're aligned. Are kids and adults aligned, or are you aligned across all three, or is it just adults in your context? It's pretty much on this context, just adults, but I have done it before all the way down through the kids. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say one of of the advantages of of having even these campaigns across all age groups is not just so that the children can be brought along, but those who are leading the children get to participate inside these campaigns, even though they're not necessarily in a community group or small group. So the, those adults get, get brought in. I mean, that's, that is something that, I mean, frankly, I haven't really heard in connection with alignment. I really like that position a lot within the campaigns. It makes a lot of sense, but also within an ongoing discipleship ministry, as you choose your curriculum, it makes a lot of sense. I, I was just curious as to, just how that works. It's, um, I can see the value in it. Certainly. I think the value of alignment is easy to see. Um, I'm just wondering how it fits within the different mentalities and systems that are out there, just how it's valued. So I was just curious as to how you, you know, what your experience with it is. Yeah. So much of, of curriculum is not as much as, as much a starting point in the approach to, to Bible interpretation and application in the, in the classroom, as important as that is, so much of it is age appropriateness. Um, children learn and are taught different ways, different levels, et cetera, et cetera. And so even, even though there may be similarity in the different lines and their approach, how that is played out in those age groups, you know, is, is so different. You know, the, the way you, for, for example, where my church is studies the gospel project, and uh, this past Sunday, we were on David and Bathsheba, and my pre-K, uh, my 4K teacher was, you know, navigating a very different conversation than I was in my adult Sunday school mm-hmm. class um, as a result. And not, so not only is the subject matter that way, but then also, even if we're talking about the exact same story and it's not that challenging, how she's applying that to a four-year-old obviously is very, very different. So there's customization, there's sensitivity to the audience. There's, there's an awareness of, of who you're talking to relationally, um, and, and the system approach to curriculum doesn't usurp any of that. It doesn't do any of that at all. It's just providing a really great baseline um, for your older generation and your younger generation to be studying the Word of God together. And, and it does it in a way that I don't think threatens uh, custom leadership in particular cultures and times and churches. I think it actually resources them well to do it. One of the things we're starting to get into, I know at Lifeway especially, but um, and it's been kind of the trend, especially with, with small group churches, is digital, having things in a digital form, not necessarily just in a paperback form, although, you know, I think there's pros and cons to paperback, but you have spent a lot of time, Rob, over the last 10 years, kind of looking at the pros, the cons of of digital. You're one of the creators of smallgroup.com, which is a tool I use every single week, actually, to write message study questions. Um, there's uh, going to be a new app that we've talked about on here with Joel Polk coming out. Uh, actually, it is out, but uh, with digital curriculum. Uh, Ministry Grid has taken most of the ongoing into. So talk a little bit from your standpoint, what are some of the pros and cons of digital Bible studies? Um, from a pros perspective, I, I mostly love digital curriculum for two primary reasons. First, for ease of, of distribution. 
Um, if, I've, if I'm equipping teachers, sharing out content, um, if I'm using it to, if I'm using co- some of that content for, for media purposes or promotional purposes, marketing purposes, communication purposes of the church, just having the, the digital form of that, it's just purely functionally really, really easy. And I can do anything and everything that I need to do from my telephone with my, with, from my, with my, my smartphone uh, to do that with, with my leaders. So just purely from a function of, of distribution, um, I, I really, really like uh, digital curriculum in that regard. The second reason is really just as, just as pragmatic um, and just as practical is that it's generally less expensive. Um, and, and, I, and I am doing so much of my life on my mobile phone that, that I just like having everything right there in, in front of me. So ease of use, ease of distribution, ease of communication, all the things that I can do with content digitally, I can do with this content digitally, and it just makes it really, really, really helpful. For the, the con that I will mention for this conversation, I'd love to get you guys feedback on, on all this. The con that I would like to mention is that one of the things I'm discovering in my, in my, both in my local church service and in, in my relationships with churches because, because of what we do as a publishing company is that there's a great deal of Christianity that is very analog, that there's something very, um, true and it just right down to the core of who we are as Christians that loves paper, that, um, loves holding a Bible, holding a book right down to the smell of them. Um, and, and so, uh, now there are all the problems that come with 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 that, with that, but that we could talk about. But I'm, what I'm finding is there's still a great deal of our people that love holding the words in their hands and um, and carrying it with them. So um, and I and I and I, something about that appeals to me. Like there's just enough about that 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 makes me feel really good. Like I, I, I do actually use a real Bible when I read my Bible. I don't use a phone app anymore. But I, for, for my curriculum, you know, I'm doing all this. So no, what do you guys have? You guys, yeah, I, it's funny because we've had this discussion at Harvest, especially because um, you know they have used not so much quarterlies, but they've used books um, primarily for their study guides, and in you know it, it is expensive, and it's a lot more to get it printed and all that. And we've kind of floated ideas of moving digital, and there's just a lot of people, especially women, and I don't know if this is true across the board, but like to write notes like to write notes in the margins. And, you know, we got some real strong feedback that please don't take away our opportunity to write in the books. And even in the formatting of what we're printing out, they want more margin to be able to write more uh, between the questions, you know, after all of that. And I, I, you know, I don't know if that's, that's a men, women thing, but that's definitely something that we are, we're seeing. And I don't know that there's an easy digital around for that. I mean, you can use an iPad and use a stencil and all of that. It's just not as intuitive. And and a lot of people don't have that technology. I think a couple of things, Rob. First off, it's it's the question, as you know, that we wrestle with a lot in in publishing, uh, particularly in Bible study curriculum publishing. Uh, First, I would say the way that we have been taught to read the Bible – I think enters into this conversation here. It is to, you know, to get quiet, to have a physical Bible, to spend time in a very intentional time with a highlighter or some kind of journal. I think more or more, more or less, a lot of us have been taught that that's the way you read the Bible. And I think that carries over to Bible study. So that mentality is there. 
Um, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a, ultimately, I think it's a both end. But secondly, one of the things that we're, I think, talking about is in terms of curriculum, maybe the better digital entry point is with leadership, group leadership, and how you integrate media and technology into a digital leader's guide and how you do that with leader tools. Um, to use media inside a group, I think is, you know, within the group can be intrusive. It seems like, at least I don't feel like I have not seen that done with the greatest level of, of effectiveness just yet. Um, but I would say, uh, it's going to come down. I, I don't think just moving from ink to pixels gets it done. I think it's going to take creating a, an experience that is well curated, well developed, and that just works, just plain and simple, just works for everybody. And it seems like that uh, in group preparation and leadership, we could really do group leaders a favor by um, collating all of those study materials into like one document, or like a you know yeah. some app. Yeah, did, I'll I'll tighten it up my comments just a little bit and clarify a couple of things. So. Digital is excellent for creating from scratch. It is excellent for reading something in order to be familiar with the content that you're reading. What I'm finding is that, especially in the adult space, it's in the leader space, whether that's for adult students or kids, that when it comes to preparing to lead and facilitate a conversation or teach a class, things get much more analog at that moment. And so while I may be very comfortable reading digitally, the overview of a lesson or just trying to get familiar with it when it comes to brass tacks and me having to lead that conversation, I'm pulling out my pen, I'm pulling out my highlighter, I'm making some notes and I want that, I want that guide in my hand in a way that digital just still doesn't feel right yet. So for, for I, so I agree with you 100% from that leader role for like from the past role, it's the distribution, that, but from the, the guy and the girl leading that conversation, there's just something about having it that, when I'm executing it, I want it in my hand. Well, I've noticed, for instance, my group, we our small group, we, uh, we're, we're piloting a study that's being written. And so I've sent them all the PDFs and not printed any of it, just sent it to them. And every week, every one of them prints it out and brings it. I mean, even, you know tech savvy people, me, I, I print it out and I make notes and it's just more natural that way. So, um, I think one of the things I'd be interested in or hearing your thought about this, Rob, it's just on the, and I, and Chris, you as well, as a, as a practitioner, as uh Rob, you're a practitioner and, and a, uh, bivocational pastor. So you're looking at this from a couple of different, uh, perspectives is the idea of, how do I say this? Just what I'm getting at is the scope and sequence and how we curate content. Like there's a lot out, out in the field. It feels like to me, you guys tell me if this is wrong, but it feels like to me that there is the sense that as long as I've got a text and some questions and I feel like that I have uh, put the group leader through a measure of training and there's there's a range there, right? I mean, from real, from having coaches and a, a whole system and network and regular get-togethers to you know, a once a year, twice a year approach to training and, and getting in, and leader and volunteerism. So in terms of like, 
a well thought out scope and sequence. How do you get, where are we with that? There was, it seems like, let me just see if I can get this in a better place. It seems like there was a season, maybe an era when that was the only way. Um, desktop publishing, you guys remember back, you know, years ago, the fear was that print was going away and it really hasn't, Rob, to your point. Print not only has it gone away, it's just as popular as ever it was, but there are alternatives now. So I think that's changed things, but in terms of the value of the scope and sequence, is it still there? And if it's not, why not? Or where is like the collective, uh, ethos? on this idea of a curated Bible study available for groups? Boy, that was a long, long, long question. (laughs) I'm hearing a relationship between scope and sequence and and campaign and and sermon series and things of this nature. I'm wondering if if you would respond to this because you're much more of a practitioner in really both of those spaces than I am. Um, So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, I, again, I think for our style church, it's really a seasonal, a seasonal thing that, um, scope and sequence matters for six to eight weeks. Um, and then we can, we can pivot and do something else. Um, we don't think as much now this is more adults, kids, like our kids at Harvest use gospel project. And so it's definitely more of a year, year long thing, but for adults and the trend I've seen over, you know, the last several years is moving away from a fully thought out, you know, quarterly long Bible study. And, you know, the trend a few years ago was to move to message questions and that's where smallgroup.com kind of was born out of. And so if your pastor has a great, uh, has has thought out his scope and sequence for a year, then it's great. If not, if it's just kind of topic to topic, then it's not. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's just a seasonal and it's not something as a practitioner that I, from my seat, think about as much more. It's about, um, is it, are we getting them into the word? Are they uh, going somewhere, taking their group in a discipleship pathway? Um, are they helping them take their next spiritual steps? Whatever that might be with the group, you know, all of that, are they developing new leaders? And so I'm not really thinking as much of, okay, do we have six months of scope and sequence or a year of scope and sequence? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that, um, well, I, I mostly agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I, I look at scope and sequence work, and, and by that I mean you know, quarterly or even yearly or three years for Gospel Project or or longer for for other for other lines. Uh, um, I, I look at that as the most necessary thing that no one will ever see or appreciate um, until it's not there, and then when you take it away for a little while, when it's not there, you realize, hey, something's different, something's something's lost. So um, now. But that's also I say that with one caveat, and I said that's that's not for everybody in the church, but it's for people who are are, are more seasoned in their exposure and study of the Bible. 
So I think like at the top of the funnel, Chris, I think you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to expose people to the word. I'm just trying to get them to, to read the read the word and apply it to their life at, at a most at the most essential and it's an important level. I don't want to say basic, but it's it's essential and it's it's important. I'm trying to meet them exactly where they are with some sort of the Bible that's relevant to them, and that's going to wet w h e a t their appetite for for more of the Bible. And when they get to that point where they need more of the Bible. That's where the scope and sequence. Uh, it's like the engineering. It's the it's the rebar. It's the concrete. It's the it's the stuff that nobody ever sees and appreciates. But you've got to stand on it for it to to really be um, to lead to really good Bible study yeah. um, at that second and third levels of, of depth. Yeah, I so agree. I yeah. So I, I appreciate um, the scope and sequence work. It is not it is not where many Christians are, but it is where we want many Christians to be. And, and that's why I think it has a lot of a lot of value. Yeah, I, I think as you get deeper, you're like you said, deeper down. Like if you're doing D groups, that um, idea more of a kind of a class, <laughs> which we're looking at adding into our system, more of a class idea. Then absolutely, I think you should think very deeply about that. I know we got to wrap up, but just like a, for instance, the Gospel Project. It's Genesis to Revelation. It's the grand narrative of Scripture, and it's it's promises that every three years you will be exposed to every uh, beat in the, in the grand narrative of Scripture. And to me, there's a lot of value into that and just a balanced discipleship strategy. And uh, Explore the Bible is what? Every book of the Bible, Rob, in eight years or is it nine years? It's, I think it's but, nine years in that, in that sequence. Yeah. All, so every book of the Bible – in the scope of sequence, and then it starts over. I I just really like that. I think there's a lot of value in that, but um, yeah. I you know I think there's that's I like the top of the funnel reference. That seems right to me. That the topical mm-hmm. studies is a good entree, and then it you get funneled down to something that's more intentional like that. I think we have to be careful though that uh, we don't you know call it a, a discipleship light. Or they're not really being discipled if they're not in this. Because I, I see that a lot. And I, there's a lot of merit to topical Bible studies. And I think there's discipleship that happens through them. So I just want to. It's very, that's very true. And if, if only because Jesus meets us exactly where we are. Yep. And it, <laughs> and wherever that is, that that's where Jesus is meeting us. That's where the Bible is meeting us. That's not basic discipleship. That is heart to heart, one on one discipleship being formed in the likeness of Christ. And that's that's not light or basic by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I read a great book with our team, uh, Deep Discipleship, JT English, and he really talks about the different you know the different levels for different people. And I I, I really buy into that that it's not uh, discipleship and non discipleship. It's just different levels for where people are. It's good. Well, Rob, thanks for being with us today. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the show. As always, we would love it if you would go give us a rating, leave a comment. Uh, shoot us. Uh, I made a reference to Twitter earlier, but by all means, tweet out ideas for future shows, and we'll get around to it. And I uh, hope to see you on down the road. Where can we buy those bingo cards, Brian? Where can the people? Oh, they're free downloads. Oh, good. Uh, I, no, I, I actually, Daniel they would be free Talks. if they were available somewhere. BrianDanielTalks.com. There we go. Yeah, that's <laughs> BD talks. Now, what would be <laughs> the TED TED talk equivalent of these 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 runs that I go on? I, I, I like that. Know. BD talks. Yeah. 
Thanks for being with us. Hope to be with you again on down the road.